Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Hello, everybody, and we are two days from the most anticipated game so far of the 2022 season, the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to D.C. to face former franchise quarterback Carson Wentz and the Washington, they should have kept the name as football team, Commanders. Thank you for joining us here on the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LG Harrell. And always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. And we have a guest today, Mr. Paint It Lines himself, Dimes. What's up, Chris? How you doing? What is going on? Happy Friday, gentlemen. Uh, always a pleasure to jump in last second and talk some shop. Uh, but man, what a game we have coming up on Sunday. So much to talk about. Uh, I... I, I this is like arguably one of my most anticipated games of the year. Um, not the <laughs> best game of the year, but the storylines underneath the game is one of my favorites. So the NFL messed weird. up. They should have had this game in Philly first. Yes. Yeah. Not in DC. Because if this game was in Philly, it would have been a primetime game. Because the one in Philly later on is a Monday night, if I'm not mistaken. But they uh, should have had the first Eagles Commanders game in Philly especially early in the season, because we don't know if Carson's going to be playing later. As much as I love Carson, we just don't know. Uh, but they, the NFL, that's messed up there. Connor, I know you guys have uh, some weather issues up there um, in, in old Canada. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, Hurricane Fiona is, is coming fierce at us. I, I imagine it has made landfall on the far east in Nova Scotia. And we'll probably get like the tails of it and some a lot of wind and a lot of rain, but hopefully that's it and that's all. But I agree, honestly, this matchup is way better than the Giants and the Cowboys. I don't the the NFL messed up with this. They needed to make this. They should have rectified this by making an early season schedule change and making this the headline game because we. Well, I mean. It's going to be pretty much a Philly home crowd. Let's be honest. Let's be serious. There are two, Let's not kid anybody here. There are two different Philly fan groups going down yeah. in D.C. Over a thousand people. And he, like, it is going to – Eagles fans trek there anyway because it's so close, just like they trek to, to Jersey when they play the Giants. But even Commander fans don't like the Commanders, especially that crap hole stadium that they have there. But before we continue, as always, follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow Dives on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. And follow me on Twitter at LJHeral54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and on YouTube at the Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And as always, on the chat, let us hear your thoughts on the upcoming game, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington Commanders. Who's going to step up? Who needs to step up? How will Carson Wentz do? How will Jalen Hurts do? And how? just let us know your thoughts. We will definitely get to all of the comments. All right, guys, 
the big story. Wait, I, I want to, yeah, I want to cut in L because I want to, I, I posted this earlier on, on, on Twitter and I want to get your guys' thoughts. I don't know if you guys have read Tim McManus's report, but this will probably preface leading into the storyline. It was a massive report about the 2020 season and the relationship between Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, and pretty much you made a lot of key points that Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz kind of both didn't want to work together. But Jalen Hurts was professional about it. Carson Wentz was a little less professional about it. And I know, like, obviously, Tim McManus was probably waiting to drop this story from yeah. until he knew the schedule was dropping and, and what actual day this game was going to be on. But he did drop the report. There's a lot of, at this point, I don't think they're bombshell things, statements about Carson Wentz, because at this point, upon his departure, we kind of knew of these these uh statements so or these at least thoughts that he had about the team so I'll, I'll read the the tweet a little bit so there's a couple things that i took from it and i want to get your guys's opinion on it first of all first point wentz was reluctant to play within the eagles offensive system he was irritated when the freedom to operate was stripped in 2020 due to injury and inefficiency which obviously you should lose those rights when that happens Wentz and Peterson's relationship became strained in the 2020 season. Wentz was viewed largely as a good guy and a good teammate within the locker room, but he was known to have a very tight circle, which included Zach Ertz and Nate Sudfeld. Wentz targeted his friend Zach Ertz significantly more than other options, which rubbed players the wrong way. Fantasy managers probably love that about Zach Ertz now, but <laughs> no division was actually created in the locker room when the QB change happened in the Packers game. Um, but Wentz was visibly upset prior to the Seahawks game when Hertz started receiving first team reps and then Hertz remained professional throughout the entire process. But the QB room did not interact very much on the field or at all. And the QB field may the QB room mainly being Wentz and Hertz because Wentz was very close friends with Sudfeld. So I want to kind of get you guys' thoughts on this because this was kind of like the bombshell report of the week that people are talking about and people are reading. Um, we'll start with you, LJ, because I know we've talked a lot about Hertz. You've been a Hertz critic. We've talked about Wentz a lot. I really liked Wentz. I think we may have moved on a little prematurely, but now you kind of see the same thing happen in Indianapolis and what's going to happen in Washington, what reports might come out of that. So LJ, I mean, those were the seven key points I took from it. First off, I bet I bet you Indianapolis wishes they had Wentz now because Matt Ryan is shot. <laughs> that's a that's a different story for a different day. We do have the Colts later on this year. Could be Nick Foles facing the Eagles and not Matt Ryan. But um, first off, if my starting quarterback is not mad that somebody else is coming on the field, then I'd be mad at him. Like I want Carson to want to be on the field. So when Carson was in Philly in 2020, if he would have been like, oh yeah, oh I'm going to share the field with the with the backup, I would I would be I would have issues with that. Like. I want my quarterback, I want my starting quarterback, I want my franchise quarterback to want to be on the field at all times. Uh, like I know when when Vic came back in, was it whenever, oh, uh, 09 or 10, whatever, and he had to split the field, or and and and, Don, and he would come on the field with Donovan. Donovan didn't like that either. But Donovan, and, and, and I wouldn't expect Donovan to like it. And look, I'm not comparing Wentz to Donovan because Donovan's the best quarterback in Eagles history. But... Like I, you if you have two quarterbacks per se, you don't have one type of deal. So if 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 Wentz would have been happy with that, I wouldn't have been happy with Wentz. Look, I knew we knew there were fractures 
in in the locker room with you know wet um Wentz and excuse and I actually do agree with Dave there that that full the full, <laughs> the full statue really is what killed Carson Wentz's confidence winning the Super Bowl without Wentz that killed his confidence and him no one will ever report it because it's such a boring thing to say that a statue really broke the camel's back. <laughs> we all know, Carson. We know. Yeah, they know. And then, and there were also reports back then that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't talk the last half of the, the last season, which was 2020. Yep. They didn't talk at all. And you can't have your head coach and your starting quarterback like not, not talking. They need to have, be in communication. So there was obviously something going on there. Also, with Wentz being upset that he didn't have the quote-unquote freedom to run up, Doug Peterson's offense got very stale towards the end. And there was all this talk, and I was one of them, and I think Connor, me and you talked about it a lot back then, that he needed to give up play calling. And I'm not saying you give Carson the freedom to call plays, but whether it was who – was, who was the offense? Mike Grow, I think he was the receiver coach. But whoever it was, let them call – because the offense was very predictable. We knew what Doug Peterson was going to call – I'm sitting there watching the game, and I knew it was going to be a run up the middle on first down, play action on second down. Like, it was very, very predictable. So I don't blame Carson for being mad. Look, Carson wasn't – towards his the end of his tenure here in Philly, he wasn't the best quarterback. He, he had a bunch of issues. Maybe it was the right time to move on at that time. But, again, if my starting quarterback is happy that he's coming off the field for 10 to 15 to 20 plays a game – I'm not, I don't want him to be my starting quarterback. So him being mad at that or him not wanting to come off the field, I have no issue with that. Him wanting a little bit of freedom on the field to call to call audibles if needed, um, to, to get out of a play, to call a running play, call a passing play, whatever it may be. I believe all quarterbacks should have that freedom, um, especially you know if, if you want them to be able to control the game. So, again, Carson being mad at that, I'm not mad at. Look, I, I am a Carson fan. I think as an NFL quarterback, Carson is probably a better quarterback than Jalen. The intangibles, the leadership, all that, Jalen has that over, over Carson. That's no question about that. We see it time and time again. But I think Carson has a better arm. Carson might be a tad bit more accurate than than Hertz, but Hertz is definitely working on it. You can see it for the first two games. So again, I'm my whole thing is if Carson wasn't mad at any of that stuff then i have an issue with carson i don't have that issue i don't have that issue with with i don't have an issue with carson being mad because i want him to be on the field if he wants to be on the field and he is supposed to be the franchise quarterback it just was unfortunate at the time that he was also playing like insanely poorly and the team was playing insanely poorly and it kind of forced doug's hand and or or howie's hand who knows whoever made that personnel decision howie did say that that they weren't going to take him out and that he didn't have to worry about the backup quarterback. And then, boom, here we are. Jalen Hurts is currently our quarterback and stole the job. Let me add one more thing. There was also – it's not just in the quarterback room or with Carson and Doug. There was definitely a fraction between the front office and Doug because there's no way that Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman were seeing the same thing. Or even we can throw Jeffrey Lurie in there because all the talk – remember, after the 2019 season – Doug, Doug said, oh, yeah, my coordinators are coming back. A week, Two weeks later, what happened? His offensive coordinator got fired. So there was a, there, it wasn't just with, with Carson and Doug and Carson and Hurts. It was just – it was a total avalanche of bad things that happened in yeah. 2019 and 2020. Absolutely. And, and I do want to say I think it speaks volumes to the locker room that 
despite, you know, that he had his tight inner circle, that the culture tried to stay together. And I think that speaks to why they were so open to bringing Jalen Hurts in. And I think there's so many players that keep that culture together, like Jason Kelsey, like Fletcher Cox, despite what he went through. Like there's some guys who've been there really, Brandon Graham, there's some guys who've been there a really long time who keep that culture together. And the fact that that didn't fracture the locker room, that the fractures came from higher people speaks to the maturity of that locker room and their willingness to accept a new culture. Cause look how quickly they accepted the culture of Nick Sirianni. I thought that was huge when in that report, it said the locker room did not see him as a bad guy, but it was Jeffrey Lurie. It was Doug Peterson. It was Howie Roseman. Those were the people who made it turn into what it was. The people who we should be able to trust to build a culture and build a team were the ones who created the fractured culture that existed. Um, Deeves, I want to get to you for a minute while we ever before we get into this game and get your thoughts on that report. Kind of, I mean, what you thought about Carson Wentz's time here, maybe, and what you think about Jalen Hurts and how he's been handling things. Yeah, I, I think Al just absolutely crushed everything there. And I agree with pretty much everything he said. Uh, when I think back to the Carson Wentz days, I don't have any ill uh, or remorse or hatred towards Carson whatsoever. Um, it's um, It was just it, the issues for the Eagles started at the top. If you go back just a few years ago, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows like it is right now in Philly when it comes to the Eagles, man. It, the issues with the Eagles uh, was Howie Roseman, was uh, Doug Peterson and that offense that L uh, broke down. It was just the lack of cohesion uh, on offense, uh, the zero communication. Um, Carson's just a very I, – I agree with the comment earlier that, like, uh, Carson, when, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Carson had issues with that, 100% had issues with that especially how beloved Nick Foles was in Philadelphia. He was jealous, no question. And he wanted to be that guy. And when you go back to 2017 uh, with that injury, that was one of the darkest days of my life, the darkest days of my life when he got hurt in that Rams game. And you look – and it's not all his fault. And you you fast forward to that uh, hit uh, from Jadavian Clowney that took him out. But you cannot deny the mechanical issues he had after that injury. You cannot deny his – performance on the field uh got worse he had mechanical issues he was throwing more on his back foot um he was playing way too much hero ball like we see now he took he continued to take way too many risks uh he refused to kind of take i don't know instruction uh or you know suggestions from staff that's just kind of the, the the narrative of carson wentz and that entire report you just uh, broke down Connor. I believe all of it. It makes complete sense. So I, I'm, I'm excited to watch Carson Wentz. He's not like Dak Prescott out there where I, I want to strangle him. Uh, for <laughs> me, I'm, I'm more excited just for the, the theatrics of the matchup. If that makes sense, I don't. I just not like Tony Romo out there. I, I'm. It is what it is. But for me, when I think back to Carson Wentz, I think of just a hot mess at the time of the state of the Philadelphia Eagles at that time. Yeah, I definitely think Tim McManus was waiting. He had that info for ages and was just waiting to drop it. And this week was a perfect week because you knew everybody was going to be talking not about Commanders versus Eagles. It's Wentz versus Hurts. That is the biggest focus, and there's going to be so much. I I loathe you guys in in Philadelphia with your sports radio because if (laughs) Hurts loses to Carson Wentz, 
that is going to be the most ridiculous week wanted, on race sports radio ever. Like, obviously, I want the Eagles to win, but I would love that week, this next week if that were to happen on sports radio. I would love it. Now, look, no, I want to ask you guys want one quick wins, question. Man. We want the wins, El. I know well, we want the wins, but I, just, I think we for content, the best. I think for content, it'd be awesome. But, the overreaction, yes. Yeah. So I need. I want to ask you guys this real quick before we get into the game because I the one the the, the team or the person I'm going to bring up. I hate the team with the passion. So, who is more hated in Philly, uh, Carson Wentz or Ben Simmons? Not even close. Ben that's, Simmons. That's, it's not even close. Ben Simmons. <laughs> no. Listen, and that's that but, speaks volumes because the Eagles have the largest fan base by a mile in Philadelphia. And the fact that we can confidently say, go to Twitter. You can easily tell those people who are still defending Carson Wentz to this very, as we speak, there's probably a tweet going out about Carson Wentz and defending him. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Eliezer. I'm sorry if I, I messed up your name. And Ben. And I, and I or, said or that Dave, one out sorry. because I hate the Sixers so much. So like, I'm not. <laughs> the bias. I mean, Listen, Philly, and I'm still a Carson fan. Like I, I yeah. still like Carson. Car- Carson left with some re- sense of professionalism. Uh, ben, he just the tail went between his legs, and he just left. He was gone uh, for a long time. Uh, like Dave I mean, said, did you listen? And I'm going to say, not to change the subject. Did you listen? I want to say one thing, LJ, before you finish that statement. Carson, without Carson Wentz, 2017. A full year of Nick Foles, we do yeah. not win a Super Bowl. Oh, we I'm don't. Sorry, we don't win a Super Bowl. So we have and, to give credit where credit is due. Ben Simmons, ben Simmons still can't shoot a basketball. Let's face <laughs> it. He didn't and, even want to play for the Nets in the playoffs. Let's face it. So. And if you think about it, Carson came back early in 20, 2018, like that Colts game. He came back. He he. I, I mean, I was clamoring for him to come back, but he probably shouldn't have. He came back early because you don't want Foles – if, you, if Foles gets hot, how are you going to bring Carson back? If Foles is winning games after having just won the Super Bowl, how do you bring? How do you sit a Super Bowl MVP for for like for or for Wentz? While I mean, Wentz is supposed to be the franchise quarterback. It, it was just it was a total snowball effect, and it was it was hard for um, it, it was hard just for that for all that to 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 end in a positive fashion, unfortunately. And for um, better. For better or worse, like Carson's the one that will be on the field and getting hit by Jadavian Clowney, you know, for better or worse, you know, trying to get that extra yard. Uh, you know, it's Ben Simmons in game seven who is passing up wide open dunks uh, <laughs> underneath the basket, who's not doesn't even want no, to no, be. No, 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 no. I think you're bringing up Ben Simmons. This is an Eagles podcast. Nobody <laughs> cares about the Sixers. So let's move on to the let's move on to the Eagles and Commanders now. All right. <laughs> so Let's start with the Eagles offense. They are first in the NFL in yards per game, four over 470 yards per game. I think this, I think it's easy, easy to say this past Monday night's game against the Vikings was uh, Jalen Hurts' best game as a professional. Easily the best game he's had as a professional. Um, look, while he only has one passing touchdown this year, he was he got he's got four rushing touchdowns, I think. Uh three, three rushing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, whatever it is. Um that that Second rushing, the 26-yarder that he had on Monday night, I don't know how he got in. Like, that's that 600-pound squats that that guy does. So he he's, you know, really turning his game around, look, looking to become a more complete quarterback and using all of his weapons. 
Um, we, we saw week one where it was the A.J. Brown show, but this week got Devontae, Quez, A.J. Brown, um, Dallas Goddard, the running backs. Everybody got involved. What could this Washington defense – what kind of challenge can this Washington defense pose to the Eagles offense when week one it was a running game, week two it was, it was Jalen throwing the football? Guys, we'll start with you. Mute. I think you're on mute. My bad. I'm back. Um, <laughs> that's a great question because it's, you know, I, you, you first want to go to uh, the Washington pass rush, right? Like when I think of Washington, I think of their pass rush. It hasn't been good uh, at all for Washington. The, the depth isn't there. They haven't been performing. Uh, the Lions offensive line completely decimated uh, the Washington defensive line in week two. Um, and you look at kind of some of their injuries on the interior. Uh, they're, they're hurting uh, as of right now. Um, so you look at kind of the strength or some of the positives of the Eagles versus Vikings. I, I thought uh, the defensive line for the Eagles played much better. Uh, I thought TJ Edwards blitzing up the middle was even the blitz overall from Gannon has been good two games straight. But I thought especially in the Vikings game. Um, then you go to the cornerbacks that, that when you like talk about Jackson and Fuller, like, I don't know how they match up against AJ Brown and Devonte Smith in the slot. There's a lot of advantages for the Eagles when it comes to offense versus defense. Um, and then you get to Jack Del Rio. Um, so I think Jalen Hurts is going to eat this guy for breakfast. I, 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 what I have been so impressed with, with Jalen Hurts, um, starts at the top and that's, uh, what's his name? Steichen and, uh, Sirianni just. Uh, putting Hertz in positions to succeed. You know, that RPO play where they have a lead blocker, whether it's a tight end or a running back or a wide receiver, and they basically allow Jalen Hurts to kind of pick his poison and expose the defense, wait for the defense to make mistakes every time. Like, we haven't seen a defense have an answer for that play yet. There's, like, little plays like that, and then you get the third down. Um, so the, the Eagles have been an elite team on third down this year so far. And that's arguably probably the biggest leap forward in Hertz's development on third down. How does Jack Del Rio, uh, you know, respond to that? I don't think there's an answer. And so, then you go, to, then you go to linebackers for Washington. They're, they're not playing well either. Like from a rushing attack, from a passing attack, this is a huge advantage in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. It is, and before I get to you, Connor, the one thing I like about Hertz is now I think this is him being like him. I don't think this is him faking it, but he always looks at what he can improve upon. And as good as the Eagles' offense was, has been so far this year, he always talks about they're they're leaving meat on the bone. They're, they're leaving a bunch of points out on the field, and he doesn't get too high on himself. Like he he's he has shot up the the MVP boards, and he's he proving or at least he's showing that he has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, but he doesn't let that get to his head. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on the, the, what the Eagles offense and what they can do against this Washington defense? Yeah, I completely agree with the points that, that Chris made. He, he kind of spoke to the, the Russian defense. It's, it's been terrible. It's been putrid. A, the, a 170 yards allowed per game ranks 28th in the league. On the passing side of the ball, they rank 21st. They're in the bottom 12 in both categories. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop the run. They have nowheres where they're actually, where they have a strength anymore. Where we thought their strength was in the pass rushing attack, 
you never realize until now how much Chase Young meant to them. I knew that he meant a lot to them, but they still had guys like look at some of the names that they still have out there. You still have Montez Sweat. You still have Josh Allen. You still have Deron Payne. You thought like maybe there was a chance that they could keep things alive for a little bit longer or keep things afloat without Chase Young until he gets back in week four, which may be longer because like you said last week, L, it looks like he could be out a little bit longer. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, they haven't been able to stay afloat. They can't. They, they're not generating the pressure. They're not stopping the run. They're, they're defensive backs, like you said. I mean, you're looking at Kendall Fuller. You're looking at the, the safeties haven't been that good. Um, Will Jackson, Benjamin St. Just, which I love Benjamin St. Just through the draft process. I really was a big fan of him. But making him a starter, that's not going to work. Like, it... it it's just a mess right there in Washington. And while we have spoken about it all, that we think this is an underrated team, they definitely need to improve extensively on defense because, well, I mean, we're going to talk about the offenses soon enough. And yeah, their offensive line is banged up, but they go shot for shot with whatever team they're playing against. So the Philadelphia Eagles defense is going to have to be playing on top of their game because they're not afraid to take shots. They're not afraid to push that ball down the field like potentially like Jared Goff, like Kirk Cousins. We didn't really see them really push the tempo or push the play. They made some attempts. Irv Smith had a putrid drop. Justin Jefferson was absolutely locked down by Darius Slay. But we never really saw much of an attempt by either of these first first two offenses to push the ball down the field. Wentz will do that. Harrison Wentz will 100% do that. So I agree with Chris in that that they just haven't shown any strength on defense and their offense has been forced to make up for it. Yeah, and if you think, going back to what Washington did against Detroit last week, we we gave up 35 points to Detroit and everybody was talking about how like we – you know, maybe we're overrating the Eagles. Maybe Detroit's just good on offense. Like they have a lot of weapons on offense, um, and that defensive line can get after get after the quarterback. Like, and now if you when you look at it, when Hertz was getting out of the pocket and avoiding sacks week one, how many sacks did Detroit have? One, maybe I think against the Eagles, they sacked Carson Wentz seven times last week. And that's because Carson wasn't able to move. So, like. It's so tough that a lot of people want to judge a team or judge a season on one week. You can't do that. Look at Detroit. Against us, you know, while they put up the points, they still weren't able to sack um, Jalen and stop the Eagles' offense. But against Washington, they got after Carson. They they forced turnovers, and they were able to take advantage of that stuff. So you can't – again, and and I I say it, and a lot of people are going to be like, well, duh, you can't. Well, you you cannot – put a season into one week or even two weeks. Uh, Let's jump over to now the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles. And we're going to start with the Washington offense. And obviously we've talked about him enough. It's going to start with Carson Wentz. And as you just said, Connor, Carson, let's read it. Our offense is just better than their defense. As long as we execute, we should win this game. Don't overlook this or look lackadaisical. Just execute. If Carson wasn't on the other sideline, I, I would have fear of them overlooking Washington. But with Carson on the other sideline, it brings it focuses way. all the attention on <laughs> on on that offense. They, that that they want yeah. to stop Carson Wentz, and the reports are out there that this locker room has or these coaches have been focused on Carson Wentz, stopping Carson Wentz, figuring out how to stop Carson Wentz. And I mean, as hard as that sounds, it's kind of simplistic at the same time. 
You just can't make more out of it than it has to be. And I trust our DBs more than I think any of the DBs that Washington has faced so far this season. So so that's a game changer. Yeah, before we get into what our defense, but as I mentioned, it starts up. It starts with Carson. You mentioned Connor also that the Washington offensive line is banged up. But looking at the skill position for Washington, this is the best set of receivers, best I think offensive skill, the skills that Carson Wentz has played with. Yeah. You think about it: um, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Logan. Tom- like these are a lot of weapons on the Washington defense. Or excuse me, on, on the Washington offense, and they don't. While they don't have a Justin Jefferson, where you say slay, cover that guy, and follow him all over the field, maybe that could be Terry McLaurin. He has he has the arm strength, he and he has the playmaking ability. Where Carson Wentz will be able to just dish the ball, dish the ball to these guys. So, so Chris, what do you think about this offense and how Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz they're going to want to attack the Eagles' defense? Well, it all comes down to the commander's offensive line. That's pretty much what it is. I mean, you look at that Lions game. Aiden Hutchinson was barely getting touched on that on that line of scrimmage and just going straight at uh, Carson Wentz. So for me, uh, I look at Josh Sweat uh, because you know Hassan Reddick. I, I look at our edge rushers who struggled in week one, played much better in week two, especially Josh Sweat. Uh, versus Carson Wentz because when you when you can get in the grill of Carson Wentz, he's a completely different quarterback. Just like Kirk uh, Kirk Cousins, when you get that guy, th- you know, throwing on his back foot and just heaving that ball up, that's when you know you you have a good situation brewing. Because uh, Kirk Cousins with five of thirteen passing for thirty seven yards and two interceptions went under pressure against the Eagles in Week Two. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, was five of fourteen when under pressure. He had 3.8 yards per attempt in week two against the Lions. So these are the same story, same story. I want to see Jonathan Gannon dial up the blitz yet again in week three. Uh, When they have done it, the Eagles have looked very good. And some of the same stuff, like disguising their blitzes and uh, some stunts. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was feasting off of those in week two. Uh, I look at Josh Sweat, uh, you know, having a huge game here on uh, on Sunday because that, that, you know, Washington offensive line just isn't good enough, especially when we've seen the blitz come up the middle for the Eagles last week and week two. That that was awesome. I want to see more of that. We talked about yeah. <clears throat> going into week one, how the, the the Lions offensive line was going to play a couple backups, and the Eagles couldn't get to them. I couldn't get to Jared Goff. That's my yeah. my only worry. But Fletcher Cox played really well last week. Yeah. John Hargrave played really well last week. Josh Sweat had a decent game. Still haven't seen much from Hassan Reddick. That's why I brought him up. We want to see Hassan Reddick get after the quarterback, you know, prove that he's not overpaid. Um, give the Eagles giving him all that money to come over here and get after the quarterback. So mm-hmm. that that's definitely going to be key. That front four. Um, and, and Gannon is still the worry for me because right. Gannon, I don't want him to step back from the approach he had last week because that approach, like you mentioned, Chris, he had a great approach going into that game. Nobody anticipated them playing as much man as they played letting Slay travel with Jefferson, uh, having T.J. Edwards blitz a couple of times and, and calling multiple blitzes. Nobody foresaw, foresaw that happening. I didn't think it was going to happen. That's why I picked Minnesota to win. And he changed up his entire game plan. I, I don't want him to revert back to, to playing the too-high safety look and, and whatnot. I need to see him to continue to be aggressive with this defense. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, 
100%. I want to throw in some stats there. So Washington has given up 19 total pressures on the season. 13 of them came last week. That wow. was it. 13 pressures last week, two of them sacks. It, it was it was bad for them, and that was Aiden Hutchinson. And, I mean, I would argue we have a better defensive line, a more complete defensive line than the Detroit Lions. You got Javon Hargrave, you got Fletcher Cox, and we had uh, we had someone in the comments that, or two weeks ago talking about how they look gassed in week one. That's why Marlon Tupolito got the opportunities that he got. That's likely true. And they played 65% snaps last week, and they looked really good, and maybe that's the direction that they have to continue to go. Really flex your muscles. You got Melton Williams. You got Jordan Davis. You got four different defensive tackles who can work the interior. And you got, I think they're running on their backup, or they moved their right guard to center, and they're running on their backup right guard now. So there's an opportunity to really take advantage of the interior while you guys talk about Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham and, and Hassan Reddick, which is 100% true. They have to execute as well. I think that they can really take advantage on the interior because you got essentially two backups while moving Landon Dickerson to center. We can sit there and we can be like, Oh, that would be great. We're not worried about that. Not every team has that ability to be comfortable with making that move. While they have that comfort of moving a right guard to center, they are moving a backup into a specific position and into positions that they don't normally play. Um, so I think it's going to be a big game all along that defensive line, like you guys said. But I also think it it helps if the defensive backs can stay on their guys too. Like you said, they don't have a Justin Jefferson. And while... Terry McLoin hasn't had an incredible season or a good season at all. Jahan Dotson has stepped up. Curtis Samuel with his like two yard depth, average depth of target has been huge after the catch. And we have sucked with missed tackles, which scares the hell out of me that Antonio Gibson or Curtis Samuel and what they can do to make people miss tackles. Um, we need to just start getting those tackles. I think it's back to back weeks now that we had double digit missed tackles. I think we had 12 and we had 16. Like, that's huge. That's a lot of missed tackles in two weeks of football and way too many missed tackles in football. And I know that we talk about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's adjusting to the defense. It doesn't matter if you're adjusting to the defense. A tackle is a tackle. In any defense that you're in, you just have to make the tackle. And he's missed multiple tackles in back-to-back -back games. So that scares the hell out of me that a guy like Curtis Samuel is showing out the way he is after the catch. And we've been so bad in the missed tackles department because the average depth of target is two yards for Curtis Samuel. It doesn't matter what Slay does or what Bradbury does. Those two aren't going to be on him. Jahan Dodson and McLaurin are going to be outside. Those are going to be the focuses of those guys. It's going to be Avante Maddox, who's missed a decent amount of tackles. It's going to be Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's missed a fair amount of tackles. It's going to be those guys who have to make the plays on Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson, and that kind of worries me um, defensively for us. Chris, let me ask you something, because you, you watch tape and you put out a bunch of videos, and if you don't follow him, please do, because he's really good at it. No, Are we going to see Jordan? And, and and last week was tough because Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave had really good games. But Jordan Davis played at 21 plays. It was on the field for 21 snaps last week, I think mm -hmm. it was. Are we going to see him more? Or is this just they're going to pretty much use him to stop the run and yeah. Minnesota really couldn't run the ball last week? I, I think it looks like I, people aren't going to like to hear this. 
Uh, but it looks like we're going to see what we've seen so far. Uh, you're probably going to see somewhere around the mid twenties when it comes to snaps. Uh, he clearly, like, if you watch him, man, the, the guy plays way too upright, especially in the second half against the Vikings. I put out a video. Um, he's got basically one move. He bull rushes. Um, and I, I, while I think he's absolutely terrific and I'm really excited to see him grow, he needs to develop his skill set, his move set, uh, very much so. Um, and that was kind of like why we were kind of, uh, being real about this draft pick, you know, when, when it went down was why would you draft a guy that's only going to be playing in run situations and not a three down starter. That being said, I'm super excited about Jordan Davis. I think you're going to see more of what you get, at least until his conditioning gets up, at least until he gets coached a little bit more. Um, he was sensational against the run, uh, at least in week one. Um, in week two, it was pretty interesting because if you watch the video, I could put it up here if you want me to. Um, is uh, the, Yeah. All right. Hold on. Uh, the Vikings went away from him a lot. Uh, a lot of the plays uh, were on the outside, so he wasn't involved very much hold on let me get this thing up yeah um, I, I was actually gonna say i actually agree with chris like because i watched this video i watched it's every snap of the all 22 film and he just plays up right he only has a bull rush but he's ineffective with the bull rush that's what's so frustrating because he's not that effective with it but there are a couple plays as if you watch through the entire video which i think is a couple minutes long chris don't correct me if i'm wrong but yeah there's a couple times where he uses other moves and he becomes a little more effective when he tries to bat the arm down or make us use a spin move or something. And the fact that he's so athletic and he doesn't use those moves is frustrating to me because I think that if he can expand that skill set, like you said, Chris, he could be so much better, so much more effective in those 20% of snaps and earn more snaps. And well, and well, let me just like add this, like, because I don't want to be, I don't want to make it sound like I'm piling on Jordan Davis here. Um, but he has been getting a lot of double teams uh, through two games, no question. So he's getting a lot of attention, and, and you'll see it throughout this video. Uh, but that that was the case as well in Week One. So um, and he I, faced a pretty effective center in Garrett Bradbury this past week. Garrett Bradbury is pretty good Ragnow, Frank Ragnow in Week One, who's sensational. So. Because uh, yeah. if you so, watch, if you watch in a lot of the in a lot of these clips, he lines up almost directly over yeah. center. So you're He's constantly the tackle. first person you face is that center, and he faced two top ten centers in the NFL easy in the first two so, weeks. So let me ask a quick question because there was all the talk that the Eagles should have drafted Kyle Hamilton, and watching that Ravens game, Hamilton <laughs> was out. Of, now I know safety is a different position than defensive tackle, but boy, Hamilton was out of position a lot <laughs> against Miami, and that is Miami. They got a bunch of speed. Like, I don't know if you had a chance to watch video on Hamilton, but – and it's still early, but do you still think they – I don't – and I and I and forgive me if, I, if I'm misinterpreting this. I think you kind of – I know there were other people, you know, on the Paint Lines team that wanted them to go oh, yeah. towards, towards mm -hmm. Hamilton. Did the Eagles make the right choice? I know it's early. It's tough to say now, but early just watching both guys play. What, would you, what were your thoughts be on that? I mean, you, I can't take back what I said. It is what it is. I was, I was, I, I thought Kyle Hamilton was arguably my favorite draft pick in the entire draft last year. I was very upset the Eagles didn't select Kyle Hamilton. It is what it is. How he just does not value the safety position whatsoever. That's just facts. Um, so I was upset about it. Um, I wasn't upset about 
the Jordan Davis selection because I still had like a top 15 grade on him. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think he's going to be great down the road. I still would lean towards Kyle Hamilton right now. Now, so like it's too early. It's too early. It it's is, too it early. It is too early. I know. That's, that's the problem is like on both guys, we're not going to know until at least a year or two. And uh, look at look at the way the DBs talk. It is one of the hardest positions to play in football right now because no matter what you do, you're always the one getting flagged. You're always the pass interference. It's a tough position to play safety or cornerback. Those are probably two of the toughest positions to play in football right now because they're, they are the focus of defenses. How can we exploit them? How can we get our passing game to work against these DBs? And they're always the ones like – it, you can push and shove all you want. 95% of the time, who's getting the call for pass interference? It's going to be the DB. Like, it's just such a hard position to play. Yeah. And while I do think, listen, there was like, they were, he was considered a generational talent, Kyle Hamilton. And there wasn't very many like generational or really high end talents. It was really like, as the draft led up to it, a lot of scouts were saying there's a top 15. And then, well, you saw it the way people were drafting. It was, a dog's breakfast. You could pretty much draft whoever you wanted to draft, but the scouts were comfortable with taking whoever, wherever after the top 15. But that doesn't necessarily mean because this draft class was kind of noted as a weaker class that it wasn't going to take time for some of these guys to develop. And I think that people expected Kyle Hamilton to just snap the finger, come into the NFL and be this top and player. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily 100% true, but I agree with you, Chris. I think give it a year or two, we're going to look back and we're going to say maybe we should have went safety here. Um, but I do disagree with you in one regard, Chris, and that's that if he didn't value the position, he wouldn't have went and got Cha- Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And it'll speak volumes. Will he extend Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? That will be the true teller. Do you value the safety position or not? Okay. You invested the draft capital. Are you going to pay this man? So anybody that follows the draft as much as I do, if you followed the last like the reason I say that is like if you look at three years in a row, uh, at least uh, on this channel, um, I have been gushing over safety after safety, like year after year after year, and the Eagles never get one of them, and it just kills me, especially day two guys. And I'm not I'm not like rooting for like Kyle Hamilton in the top fifteen. I'm I'm talking about just day two guys. And we never get one of them. And that there's several of them that are absolutely beasts across the NFL now. So uh, that's the only reason I say that. It's like kind of it kind of hurts my soul. Look at guys like Antoine Winfield and stuff. And Jeremy Chin, man, like, uh Yeah. What we could If they would have taken Jeremy Chin, they probably wouldn't have uh... – it wouldn't uh, Jaylen be Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, was that was the question. Was Jeremy Chin or was Jalen Hurts? And how he pulled the plug and said, I'm taking Jalen Hurts. All right, so last week, Slay um, pretty much handcuffed um, Justin Jefferson at two picks, five pass defense, and one NFC defensive player of the week. Is this a week where he can just play one side, or is there will he follow McLaren around, follow Dotson around? Or is this just – Slay, you play one side. Bradbury, you play the other side. And let's play defense. I just so. want to say that PFF needs to clean their crap up because they said <laughs> there was one pass breakup by Darius Slay. And I can tell you, you know right how now, I feel about there was PFF. way more. There was way more. Yeah, but I always was fine with like the pressures of pass breakups. Okay, you see those. But he had way more than one pass breakup. I am sorry. 
But there you go. yeah, here we we'll play the video. You will see. Like, <laughs> I don't know what classifies as a pass breakup. That's There's a pass breakup. <laughs> That's the first target. It was a pass interference, but they didn't call it. So yeah, but, but TJ, then dude, what was it? A couple on plays, that play, TJ Edwards killed Dalvin Cook. He yeah. literally ran right through Dalvin Cook. And on, on the play. next possession, there was a really dirt, like a skeptical call. Uh, not the next play, but the next possession when it was us on offense and them on defense. I think there was a pretty uh, touchy call there. So you, you win some, you lose some. Uh, but in regards to your question about Darius Sight, I think, I mean, after what happened last week, you're going to put him on whoever's starting to burn you. If 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 Jonathan Gannon's smart, if Curtis Samuel is the one who's starting to hurt you. You put him on Curtis Samuel. If it's Jahan Dotson, you put him there. If he needs to be outside, if he needs to play the nickelback for a week, so be it. Follow the guy who's who you think is burning you the most. If Curtis Samuel's got two catches for 20 yards or three catches for 40 yards, you put him on the guy who's giving you the biggest, the toughest time for figuring out how to scheme against him. That that's my thoughts. I don't care about outside, inside, nickelback. I don't care about where you put him. You you put him where he's gonna stop the guy who's giving your defense the hardest time. Man, Slay could have had six interceptions on Monday night. It's crazy. <laughs> this is the yeah. first. So this is the first of three in a row for the Eagles where they got a former player or coach they're going up against Carson this week, Doug next week, Zach Ertz the week after. Um, this is gonna be a fun time to to talk the Philadelphia uh, Eagles and if they continue to play, man, that was he he was so good on Monday night, Darius Slay. Just, just watching this video. And Justin like, Jefferson talked so much crap that he <laughs> deserved it. He deserved it. Did you see that? This. I don't know if I think it was Kyle. Was it Kyle Brandt who said, if the if, if the Vikings win, just stay tuned for Justin right Jefferson's Come on now. Come on now. What about no, but, what about you, Chris? So, I mean, I want to get your perspective on, like, I mean, what do you do with Darius Say? What do you do with the defensive backs? I mean, it's clear, like, we love James Bradbury, but Darius Say is clearly the more effective, the guy who reads the plays the best, breaks up the passes, does does his job extremely effectively. How how do you how do you use him against these three wide receivers who any one of them could go off and be very effective on any given night? I would put him on Terry. I'll put him on scary Terry and, and see how it goes. I mean, um, that was the best performance I've seen from Darius Slay as an Eagle, right? Like, oh, that easy. was easy, easy, right? Yeah, like, there's been easy. times, there's been times, and I, I'm not hating on Darius Slay, but there's been times where he's gone up against number one receivers, and he's kind of... I also think good. that's that his scheme has to do with that. No question, no question. Um, but for whatever reason, um, you could probably ask my man Shane. He knows that X's and O's way more than I do. Um, but it looked personal for Darius Slay. It absolutely looked personal. Um, that was the most engaged Darius Slay I've seen in a while. Um, I think Terry McLaurin's a terrific wide receiver, I, uh, arguably underrated. Um, I, I think he's very, very good. Um, so for me, I, I think Avante had a great game. I think uh, James Bradbury has been terrific as well uh, through two games. I would put I would put Slay on Terry and just say forget it. And we have on. a really good trio of of CBs. That's just fate. Avante Maddox. While Week One was a little touch and go, he was much more Byron effective. Days? Oh God, <laughs> he was much more effective this week against. Like he took on Irv Smith. He made some great Harry pass Williams. breaks up. Yeah, 
Oh, God. Um, but and then James Bradbury and Darius say on the outside, like they're super effective. They're super effective. Sure. You should be able to put any of these three guys on any of these three guys right. and be 100% confident that they can allow enough time for the front four to get home. I feel I feel like we're not talking about James Bradbury enough through two games. Like he's been really strong. Really Which is strong. a good thing. I think that's a good thing because if you don't hear the cornerback's name, like, yeah. unless like Slay, you heard his name because he was all over. Jefferson had a bunch of picks, but like yeah. if I'm not hearing James Bradbury's name, that means he's not doing anything bad. Now, obviously, mm. I mean he had the pick six against against Detroit, but he's doing his job. He's he he was brought in here to be the second corner behind Slay to stop the second receiver, and that's exactly what he's doing. So the fact that we're not talking about him, I think that's a positive more than. Yeah. More and than I definitely negative. think like. I definitely think that James Bradbury is better than what Steven Nelson was last year as a oh, second. No season. question. No question. Easy. Easily has been. And he doesn't have to do that much. He just has to keep the second wide receiver or whoever his assignment is at bay. And Darius and, Slay will do the rest or Vontae Maddox will do the, do the rest or the safeties will help out with the rest. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson easily could have cost us a touchdown. He got absolutely roasted by Irv Smith Jr. And we could have been talking about a very difficult, like you said, like we said on the last episode, L, there are two plays that probably were difference makers. Aaron Sipos's catch up tackle that he made and Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Irv, well, Irv Smith's drop. It would Chauncey Gardner Johnson got blown up, but it would have been Irv Smith's drop. That's the biggest play. Those two we're talking, we may very well be talking about an extremely different game at this point. And I think so too. And when it comes to, to Bradbury, I think we're starting to see the, we're starting to see the Carolina Bradbury and obviously not the Giants Bradbury because the Giants Bradbury was yeah. bad, but that was also a terrible organization to play for at the time. And I'm not saying they're better now, but they are at least better. They have better structure now, I guess, in the, with, with the Giants compared to when he was there the last couple of years. And shout out to Marcus Epps. I don't know. I don't get this. Like, just give a shout out uh, to Marcus Epps because I've been kind of not his biggest fan over the last couple of years. But he, he's neither is LJ, plays. so it's okay. <laughs> he's making plays. He's, making, he is, he's he probably the, he is the best safety on the team right now, which I don't know if that says much. I was gonna um, say, what's the competition? <laughs> a guy who's learning the defense. Exactly. And That's why I said it doesn't play, say much. A bunch of guys playing five percent of snaps at best. Like Kevon Wallace is a special teamer. Like they're buried. I listen. I have to admit, and and we talked about it last week, El. I'm happy Chauncey Gardner Johnson, despite what he's going through, despite you know the inconsistencies that he is being played 80 percent, 90 percent of the time. 100% same as Marcus Epps, 100 percent last week, exactly. And Marcus Epps, similar situation. Because at the end of the day, I think it's really important that these guys we see what we need to see out of these guys because this could be a duo at the safety position for the future. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson could get his extension just like we saw Josh Sweat, Dallas Goddard last season. These guys, could be, he could be in line for an extension and how he's waiting for just the right time to lock that extension down. But I think Marcus Epps and CGJ can very much be the safeties of the future in this organization. Yeah, I don't think they trade for – give up that draft capital for – uh, Gardner Johnson and not bring him back. They're going. I think they're going to unless something tr- could. I know the biggest point, happens. I know the biggest point of contention is he wants to be paid as a safety, not a CB, because exactly. safeties are played better. Well, they, they he better did come and, here to be the safety. So and yeah, like now that you've played him essentially at safety for the large majority of his snaps, you have to respect that you're paying this man as a safety. Yep. Yeah, All right. I, so go ahead, go ahead, Chris. 
Uh, I'm just saying, I don't have a grasp on Chauncey Gardner Johnson just yet. I like he's one of those guys that kind of have flown under the radar through two weeks. Um, I definitely need to kind of see like what he's best at uh, right now. Um, and I, I thought coming in, it's more of a as a slot defender, uh, but. I want to kind of take some time probably in like several weeks from now and kind of look at him as a safety. Cause I, I, I don't know just yet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's going to take time. Like they're not going to give him the extension tomorrow. Um, same thing when they, when they signed Alshon to the one year contract in 17 and gave him the extension halfway through the year, we may see it in a couple months. Um, so right. we'll see. All right. So it's prediction time. What I want from each of you, give me a quick run, how you think the game's going to go and a player to watch out for and your score. So we'll start with you, uh, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say what I said. Um, I, I joined a Commander's podcast on Wednesday night, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say 33-27 Eagles. Uh, get the W here. I think Washington covers. Uh, I think Eagles are probably a, playing or flying too high. I think they're flying just a little too high right now. Um, that doesn't – that without being said, like it could be like first half and the Eagles are up big like the Lions were uh, last week. Uh, and then you get Carson Wentz getting garbage stats like Jalen Hurts did in 2021. So for me, the player to watch for is 100% Devontae Smith. Uh, you look at Kendall Fuller and William Jackson. Uh, those two guys, uh, the the um, commander slot defenders, have been absolutely chewed up uh, through the first two games of the season. Uh, Jackson has allowed a 152.1 quarterback rating on 10 targets. Fuller has given up. Fuller has given up a 21.6 yards per reception. Uh, those two guys, I, I I don't see any reason why Devontae Smith doesn't have a huge game again. Three. Uh, I love the chemistry, the timing I saw. I love the game plan I saw. I think Devontae had the first reception of the game, just getting him involved early and often. Everybody knew that was going to happen. After yeah. I want to see more of that. Uh, I want to see more of that in week three. Uh, I think that's a great recipe for success where uh, you have – such a huge mismatch there uh, with Devontae against those guys and everyone else. And then that will set up the run, which is pretty much in contrast to 2021. So for me, Devontae, Eagles get the W, win by six. I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, Chris, we usually talk about a defensive player too. So we'll give you a defensive player. Do you got one? Oh, absolutely. Give me TJ Edwards, baby. I think he's one of the underrated stars of last week. I thought he was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, you look at that interior offensive line for the commanders. It's beaten up a little bit. Uh, I love what I saw with Gannon's plan of uh, getting him up at that line, uh, blitzing. Uh, he was all over the field. We saw a couple during that Darius Slay highlight reel. There were some more where he was just leveling guys out there, just just making a statement. Uh, TJ Edwards, I, I kind of ripped him a little bit in week one. I thought he was arguably one of the uh, better players of week two. Uh, so I'm going to roll with TJ Edwards versus Washington. The Washington commanders can't get their ground game going and keep that Eagles offense off the field. It's going to be a long day in Washington. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I'll jump in L and then I'll pass it to you. Antonio Gibson is not Dalvin Cook and we stopped Dalvin Cook. Like their lead rusher was Kirk Cousins. 20 yards for Kirk Cousins, 17 for Dalvin Cook. Like that's gross. That is putrid. So if they can, if they're able to continue to call the plays, like you guys said, like Jonathan Gannon, if he was a player on the field, but like essentially he is a guy we need to watch. Jonathan Gannon cannot come off of the plays 
the way that he called last week because that was the perfect the timing of the the blitzes the situ- the way that he situa- situationally placed that defense into the perfect positions to make the plays that they made definitely needs to be something that remains a focus this week and don't sleep on the Washington commanders just because they're not like the, uh, just because they're not like the Minnesota Vikings or other opponents that we might see. Um, For me, Miles Sanders is going to be the guy for me. I would have taken Devontae Smith because I absolutely agree with you because, I mean, you look at Fuller and Jackson, they've both given up, well, Jackson's 137 yards, Fuller's 108, 21.6 yards per reception and 15.2 yards per per reception. That's terrible. Um, Obviously, Devontae Adams, Devontae Smith, sorry, is going to probably feast. Um, But mine would be uh, Miles Sanders against this this. Russian defense. This Russian defense has been terrible. They just can't get things going. And the big thing with Devon, uh, with Miles Sanders is that as soon as he gets going, like he might have a two yard rush, but then he's gonna come back with like a fifteen yard rush. He's also he running like, different this year. He definitely he's, he's is. He's way more patient, and when he yeah. hits a hole, he hits the hole. He doesn't dance. Which I yeah. think is one of the reasons to why, fingers crossed, he's staying healthy as well. Because he's not just barging into a hole. And, uh, yeah, now, yeah, I see yeah, you in your eyes, LJ. <laughs> Damn it. But the, the point, the hope is that, you know, he continues to run like that. He continues to be patient. He continues to find the right hole to hit, and he doesn't get hit. Because he is a guy who we know, you know, the soft tissue injuries and stuff can really get to him. So I really, I that's my guy is Miles Sanders in this game. And defensively i like your pick of tj edwards um i i want to pick an interior defensive lineman but it's so hard to pick because of the way that they split it but javon hargrave's been way too quiet for me i think this is a javon hargrave game i think javon hargrave is gonna feast um when you talk about the way that they line up if jordan davis is on the field they line up directly over so it all depends on where he's lining up but I think that no matter what, if you put Javon Hargrave on the right side against that against that defensive line, against that center, against that right guard, who you're pretty much playing backups at each position, I think Javar, Javon Hargrave can feast. And this could theoretically be a Jordan Davis game if they give him enough time out there and he gets the opportunity to play right over top of center. This is easily the weakest center that he's going to play so far this year. And he could have an opportunity, but I think this is a Javon Hargrave game if I were to give one. Score? Oh, yes. 34-31 for the Eagles. I, yeah. I agree with Chris on this one. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I don't think it's gonna be as low as last game. I do think Gannon's gonna sleep a little bit, and that's gonna allow the opportunity for the commanders to get some garbage time. Exactly. My biggest concern going into the second half was that Gannon and Sirianni yep. or Steichen would take their foot off the gas pedal yep. and they didn't, but there's going to be a game where they do it. You know, there's going to be a game where they do it. They always do it. This feels like that type of game where they might do that. But I think it comes down to like a game winning field goal on the foot of our best special teamer, Jake Elliott. <laughs> special teams. If there's been a weakness of this team, it has been special teams. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know Agreed. who they're going to have returning punts because I don't think you can keep putting Britton Covey back there. If you um, bring Covey up, you have to sign yeah, you have or to release him, him this week. It's the biggest decision. So mm-hmm. Maybe they will release him. I don't know if anybody would pick him up anyway. 
Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go Hassan Reddick as the, nice. the guy to watch. He's been – he's done nothing so far. Maybe he has a tackle or pressure or whatever. Um, but I think that this week he'll finally get on the stat sheet with a sack. Um, Carson, one if the, the one thing about Carson is he likes to hold on to the football too long. I think Hassan Reddick will be able to take advantage of that on one of those double, you know, double pumps that Carson likes to do as he's looking to throw the ball down the field. They'll get after him. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I was going to go Miles Sanders, um, so I have to change it up, and I'm going to go Dallas Goddard. Oh, I just think Dallas Goddard. He somebody he's going to have to score a touchdown this week again. Hurts only has one passing touchdown. That was the Quez Watkins on a what whatever the safety for Minnesota was doing, going with Jack Stahl instead of Quez Watkins. <laughs> I'll never understand. Um, but I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to. I think Dallas Goddard will have a big game. I don't think any of the linebackers on Washington can cover him. No. And I definitely don't and the I think the safeties can cover him. And one of one of the things that stands out about Goddard for me is he's number one among tight ends for yards per reception. He's being used so differently and so uniquely. You talk about just the linebackers. Think about the safeties too. Yeah. There's nobody on that Washington team who's going to be able to cover the middle of the field. When you think of Devontae Smith and you think of Dallas Goddard, those two feel like perfect picks by the two of you. Yep. That's so, what makes me nervous. That's that's th- these are the same exact things I said against the Detroit Lions. <laughs> like the same this is we're almost saying the same things. Like the 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 mismatches are all over the place. Offense versus defense, but you look it was a three-point game. Um, we had a week we had a week to think about it and and <laughs> and Gannon had a week to think about it. So Gannon's pro- or uh, Sirianni's probably like, "Huh. So I wonder what we should do here." Yeah. So the six and a half, being a six and a half point road favorite scares me also. Like it's a division game. Uh, the quarterback, you, like that seems like a lot. I, I think Washington's definitely going to cover. I think it's going to be 27 Great. to 21. We're all pretty close. Yeah. I'm going to say Eagles win this one, but Carson's going to win the one in Philly if he's, if he's playing. I think Carson it, beats the Eagles once this year. This division is like if we go into any of these divisional games and we predict any less than like a complete shootout, we'd be crazy because it just feels like these teams are just going to go back and forth, back and forth constantly and drive the score up. We can sit here and brag about Gannon and how well he did last week, but that's why never bet on divisional games. It's just not worth it because you definitely know that something is not going to go right. And this feels like you said, L, like it's just, you know, and same with you, Chris, you guys said it, they're just not going to cover because it's a divisional game. And the fact that you give almost a touchdown favorite to our divisional game, that is an easy bet of, yeah, like of the you, underdog. Even if you look easy. at it, we know, we know the Eagles are more talented, but I just, it's, it's on the road and as crappy as that stadium is and as, Many as Eagles fans are going to be there, and we know Washington fans don't even like their own team. I, <laughs> I, I just find it hard for for that for the for Washington, especially like Carson. You know, this week, if there's a week that Carson wants to be perfect, it's this week that he's going to want to do everything perfect. And and obviously, it's not going to happen. We all know he has those brain glitches, so where he he does something stupid, he'll throw two picks in like back to back possessions. But he's definitely going to go out there and look to try to get the ball down the field and put up points against this uh, Eagles defense. A lot of guys that he played with, a lot of guys that he won a Super Bowl with. Um, but it'll be fun. Again, I'm still a Carson fan. And while I want him to do well, I just don't want him to beat the Eagles. 
I was going to say, you, you, the fact that you said Carson Wentz wants to be perfect, you know he's going to hold on to that ball too long and we're pro- right. we have a good chance of getting home because he's going to think way too deeply and way too much about We'll see, but we always think on. that. We always think when the Eagles go up against an inferior defensive line that they're going to have like five sacks and they don't even sniff the quarterback, so – He's gonna we'll channel see. his. He's gonna channel his inner like Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, against the Eagles. And Ryan just, Fitzpatrick is kills the Eagles all the time. Every time, every time. They should have just signed him as a backup so he couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I know. He's I just want to say I forgot to share share this stat, but pressured completion percentage for Carson Wentz is twenty two point seven percent. That's thirty first yeah. among quarterbacks. If Gannon cannot pull up a stat on playerprofiler.com and realize what he has to do this week. Exactly. I don't think I can help this man with what he needs also, to do Jaylen, this Also, Jalen Hurts is 8-2 and two in his last 10 games, and only Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are better. Now, obviously, the opponents aren't good for the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts is winning games that he's supposed to win. And real talk, like, can we just, like, just throw it out there? Like, that had to be one of the worst – Defensive game plans I have ever seen for the Minnesota Vikings in week two. Uh, oh, to we we talked about it. Yeah, we went when we talked last week, we were like, he made it felt like we were watching Jonathan Gannon of last really? year. Zero adjustments. None. Nothing. We, we, we went and we watched every single Jalen Hurts snap uh, a few a few nights ago. And I counted four blitzes. Uh, Jalen Hurts plays runs and pass. Four blitzes. And one of them. Uh, I think Hertz was one of three, uh, and then one of them was that uh, you know dropped interception from Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's inexcusable. If that stuff happens uh, in Philadelphia, man, I would be livid, absolutely livid. Because you look at the Bucks game, you look at the Lions game; those those teams were heavily pressuring Jalen Hurts. That's one of the huge areas we want to see Jalen Hurts take that next step. And when he gets the ball out fast, he looks really strong. But to come out there and blitz like, what, like Four less times. than 10% of the time, like that's inexcusable. And and to be fair, like I don't think the Washington commanders have the ability to to put pressure like that, like the Lions or like the Bucks. So I think Jalen Hurts is going to feast, man. I, I really do. I so. And I know you guys were you guys are from the Philly area, so you guys might have watched like, you know, a Philly Philly broadcast, but I watched a national media broadcast and they actually pulled it up a couple times and drew the shell, the too high shell. Look at what he's doing again, again, again. Aikman, and they Aikman just showed that, like- it. Yeah, yeah was so like, you guys why are they the not making I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no so for football, there is no local broadcast during the regular season, like baseball. We have Tom McCarthy and, and whatnot. But yeah, so for the NFL, it is always the low, it's always the national team. Okay, so that, we saw the same thing. They literally yeah. got to the point where they in the second half drew it out and said, Here's the shell again. <laughs> Take a look yeah. at these four or five guys who were playing eight yards and 20 yards off. It felt way too much like Jonathan Gannon last season. It Unbelievable. Was brutal. Brutal. All right. So we all have the Eagles winning, which means bet the house on Washington. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so true, though. It's it is so really true. true. I like, maybe maybe not the – the. well, you can probably bet the, the money line too, but you definitely should bet that six and a half over – or six and a half. That, yeah, that for sure. <laughs> All right, Chris, let, uh, tell uh, tell our viewers uh, where they can catch you next. All right. Um, tomorrow I'll be putting out a ton of uh, college uh, football NFL draft videos. 
Um, as if anybody subscribes to this channel, you know, I'm in love with all the, not all of, but a good chunk of the college, uh, of the quarterback prospects in this year's direction. Who's your favorite? My favorite right now? Is it Will Levis? Oh, he's not having a Don't great do year. Don't do it, Chris. He's Don't not, do it, Chris. He's not having a great year, but man, that ball pops. That ball pops, man. Um, out of he, his hands. He has he feels so much like Malik Willis. The intangibles, not, the traits, but he's he needs work. He ain't a day one starter. There there's some other guys that are I like scream Malik Willis. Like KJ Jefferson has been absolutely awesome. If you haven't heard from uh Anthony Richardson has really struggled. Uh, so I don't know if Florida plays tomorrow, so I really want to watch Florida. Uh, but he needs a he needs a bounce back game because I think his talent is incredible. Um, it's just everything else. Um, so my favorite, it's got to be C.J. Stroud right now. Uh, the way that guy just gets out of the pocket, his accuracy on the move. Florida plays um, Tennessee tomorrow. It's ten. All right, that's a good game. Yeah, we yeah I'll be watching that. That's a three thirty um, so, kickoff. Nice. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Anthony Richardson's like, he's not Vince Young, but like, he's kind of got that feel a little bit. If you, if you know what I mean. Um, but like when he, when he's, when he's clicking, like he's, the dude is unstoppable at times. He has a lot of really fun. I, think vibes. He's raw. I still think he's raw. Where, so like the difference between like this year's quarterback class and last year's quarterback class is uh, last year was a lot of guys that were run pass second this year's draft class is pass first run second they they pass the ball to set up the run. it's a yeah. little bit different and i think all those guys have much better arms than we've seen in last year's crop so uh yeah you can find me uh having fun watching college football all day long uh that's what i do and then of course uh we on sunday for eagles we have pre-game halftime and post-game live shows and of course every single highlight reel you could ever think of my podcast is party on broad we are monday nights at nine o'clock uh so just awesome awesome thanks for having me on oh yeah thank you for joining us and you'll be able to catch connor and i again on tuesday around 6 15 6 30 around this same time uh getting you or do having a reaction show to the eagles washington commanders game and then i think next week we're we got to do Thursday potentially because I'm, I'm away next weekend, but nice. and Con I think Connor's also away next weekend uh, for Doug Peterson's return back to Philly. Can't wait for that. So that'll, oh. that'll be fun. To, that'll be fun to talk about. Um, so follow the Kelly green on, uh, follow the Kelly green hour on Twitter at Kelly green hour. You see all our names, follow Connor on Twitter at Connor 10, Chris on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot and me on Twitter at LJ Harrell 54. Eagles, Washington Commanders, Carson Wentz against his old team. Should be fun to watch. Thank you for watching the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah.